read from Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verses 145 through 152. Psalm 119, 145 through 152 says, I call with all my heart, answer me, Lord, and I will obey your decrees. I call out to you, save me, and I will keep your statutes. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Hear my voice in accordance with your love. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your laws. Those who devise wicked schemes are near, but they are far from your law. Yet you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. So we've been reading through Psalm 119, and we see again that obeying the Lord's word, obeying his commands is where, where it's really at. You know, people say, this is where it's at. That's where it's at. Obeying the Lord's commands is, is where we find life, where we find, uh, we find the Lord's will for us. We, we find his commands, we obey them, and then we're blessed, and those around us are blessed. So just, uh, just a reminder to keep on obeying the Lord. Keep learning his word, keep obeying his word, and none of us can go wrong when we do that. So we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, then we'll get into some worship song. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Now is the time in the service for communion. If you are a member of the body of Christ, we invite you to partake in communion with us this morning. Let's go ahead and get started. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion communion is more than a ritual that we perform in the middle of service. It goes deeper than that. 
It is an important part of our worship, and it serves as a reminder of what Jesus did for us. When we take communion, we are told to remember what it means. When we take the bread, Jesus said we are to remember that his body was pierced and broken for us. And when we drink the juice, we must remember that it was his blood that was spilled to cover our sins. Communion is so much more important than a a ritual. It is so important, in fact, that in John 6, 53, Jesus says, Unless we eat of the body and drink of the blood, we have no life. And in 6, 54, if we do this, we have eternal life, and he will raise us up in the last days. In 6, 56, if we do this, we abide in him, and he will abide in us. And in 658, he says, if we do this, we will live forever. So as you are taking communion, let me challenge you to do more than just go through the motions. Take some time to really think about the bread and the wine and what they really mean and how important communion truly is. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today and for the volunteers that have helped rebuild our community. As we partake of this communion, let us remember the importance and why we do this. Help us to not go through the motions, but to really think about what it is we're doing and remember the reason why communion is important. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Um, I didn't get to say this uh, praise earlier because I got the text late, but um, 
This was something I was supposed to read to everybody. This is from Sharon Ponchot. Dear Heartland family, I am feeling so very grateful for you all, and especially for the men and women who came to help me out yesterday. I am almost 100% at my house. So thankful for God's provision for our community during this calamity, but most of all for his people. Love you all. And I got to hug some sweaty men, something I haven't done for years now. <laughs> she said, brought back memories. That was about her, her husband who passed and her son as well. Um, I don't know if I was supposed to read that, but <laughs> now you know. <laughs> um, uh, physically, she's just tired, and so she wasn't able to be here. Um, so but she wanted me to read all that to you. Now, if you're not on the remind system, meaning you get texts, emails, um, for prayer requests, reminders for services if we would need to cancel or change things um, or outreach events in the community. Um, there is a sign-up in the back. It might be underneath another piece of paper. Um, I'll get that out, though. But let us know how we can contact you so we can let you know what's going on. Um, especially this week, it's been difficult. Um, I don't know who I need to call. So in events like this, it's important. Like, if you know something's going on, reach out to somebody and say, hey, is the church doing anything? Can I serve in some way? And please know, no matter how, what your age is um, or what you feel like your abilities are, there's always something that you can do. And, you know, we may have something going on for six hours, but that doesn't mean you have to commit to six hours. So please don't think that you can't do anything um, to serve, whether it's behind the scenes or going out in the community. We welcome everybody here um, to serve. You will oftentimes see people that um, aren't members um, or don't even attend the church come, come and serve. We're not going to turn people away. That's how we get to love on them, too. They want to serve. We get to love on them. Um, Okay, so I'll go back to Matthew 25 Ministries. Um, we do collect empty pill bottles and their lids, or just the lids, or just the pill bottles. Um, could be prescription or over-the-counter, and uh, they take care of some needs um, internationally and locally. We also accept used ink cartridges, bring them in so we can recycle them, um, and it does reduce some of the costs here for office supplies at the church. Food pantry, clothes closet, Generally, it's Thursday 5 to 7. Um, here are some most frequently needed items listed here. There is an um, orange sheet on the back welcome table if you want to take that with you. Um, I know this week, especially if you're on social media, you'll see on Facebook, we've been posting extended hours. Um, and if you have a minute after church, walk downstairs. All the halls are filled with food, bottled water. Um, if you know someone in need, send them our way. We have gift cards from different people in the community. So there's lots that we've been doing. Refit, free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30. Um, as Carol mentioned last week, it, we took the ladies part off, so now it is for men and women. Um, if you're interested, come check it out. Mellon Ridge Nursing Home Church Ministry. The fourth Sunday of the month, next one is July 24th at 2. We do have service. We have a lunch together here as a congregation and fellowship, and then we um, go over to Mellon Ridge. There's a sign-up on the back welcome table. Tithes and offerings can be given in person in the offering box in the back of the sanctuary, and you can give online the website that was there. Hopefully you caught that. If not, it is in the back. <laughs> 
Uh, weekly budget is listed there and some ministries that you support through your giving. We also, this past week, set up a new Goshen Tornado Relief Fund. Um, so you can give online specific to that fund if you're interested. Or if someone want else wants to give to that fund, you can check that box also. Financial Peace University starts tomorrow, um, 6.30 p.m. It is a nine-week course. Uh, you can contact Chris or Kristen Nay if you need help signing up. The sign-up is online, and there are flyers out there to check that out. Weekly community cookout. So every Saturday, starting July 2nd, which we've already had. So we've had two cookouts at, um, in the community already. The month of July is going to be at Lakeshore Estates. So we meet here, load up our vehicles, and then head over and start cooking out. It's really just been a great time getting to know people um, and to, to serve them. This is not about a financial need at all. It's just to set up and say, hey, we love you guys. I want you to know who the Lord is, what he's done in our life. And um, if you have further needs after that, you know where to find us at Heartland. Goshen Ready Fest 2022, we are collecting colored pencils and zipper pencil pouches. No boxes, please. Registration starts today. There are blue flyers. If you have kids in Goshen, grandkids in Goshen, have neighbors in Goshen, invite them to register. This is also not a financial need. It is just about bringing the community together. And I think this, I would hope this year is going to be the biggest year of all, especially after people going through the things that they've been going through this week. Um, we can help supply them with free haircuts, um, a free lunch together, free backpacks full of their supplies, um, and some face painting fun too. So I think that's all I have. I'm going to introduce you to Mason, and he's going to say a little bit about what he does. Hello, everybody. Uh, Mason Lambert uh, with IDES. IDES stands for International Disaster Emergency Service. And what we do is a host of different things, but it all encompasses is disaster relief. Uh, so we actually have five focus areas that we do for disaster relief. The first one is, you could probably figure it out, U.S. disaster relief. So we come in and we partner with uh, churches and mission organizations to help people um, after a disaster. So for the example, you know, we help churches with immediate cleanup, uh, with distribution, tarping roofs. And we even start, uh, after that, helping with storing, helping with storage sheds, storing people's belongings, and even long-term recovery, the rebuild phase. And so that's our first tenant. Our next focus area is um, medical relief, where we uh, partner with different churches and mission organizations to help provide emergency surgeries or even cleft palate surgeries uh, in our country and in other countries uh, to help people with um, some of the needs that they have medically. Um, we also, another one that we do is hunger relief. And so one way that we do that is we... Uh, partner with churches to pack food to then go overseas and send it to other mission organizations that are helping people that are dealing with uh, emergencies in regards to hunger. The most current example of that is we are actually partnering with organizations um, in and throughout the surrounding countries with the Ukraine war. We are sending meals over there to help with that. We also help with not just a handout in relief, but also a hand up. That's our fourth focus area, which is community development. Um, and then our fifth and final one kind of encompasses everything that we do, and that is evangelism. We, we do everything what we do because we want people to come to know Jesus. Uh, we came here to partner with y'all not because, hey, look at us, look at Hides, look at this back of this shirt, look what we're doing. No. We're here on behalf of Heartland Christian Church. We're here to make an impact the community as the church. Now, I can come in and do all you know the awesome things and say, yeah, we're here on behalf of Hides and make connections with homeowners 
and then leave. But where is that relationship? Where is that discipleship? How are they able to develop a relationship when there is no follow-up? That's why we want to partner with you. We want to be here in this community because we want to see people come to know Jesus that do not know Jesus. We want discipleship to happen. We want people to know the love of Christ as we know. You will also have homeowners that will say, why did this happen? Why did this happen a certain way? Why did my house get affected and my neighbor's not? Uh, and so I like to read out of uh, John 9, uh, starting in verse 1. And as Jesus went away, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus replied, Neither this man sinned nor his parents, but so that the works of God can be revealed in him. And so it's saying there, it's like, you know, it's not because of your sin. It's not because of something that you have done that this disaster happened. I've, I've spent many times in New Orleans because they have a lot of hurricanes. They have a lot of disasters. Just this last fall, I was meeting with a homeowner who had a giant tree that from their backyard, their neighbor's backyard, came through their house, destroyed their house, and then put holes in the, in the house next door. And they were like, well, it must be all this sin that goes on in Bourbon Street, you know, all the sin that goes on in the city, you know. Uh, if you've been to New Orleans, it is, it is a very dark place. And they're, they're like, well, of course it's our sin. That's why we keep having these disasters. No. It's not because of your sin. It's not because of something you did, not something because of the sin of your parents, your grandparents, your family. It is because we live in a fallen world. There is sin throughout the world. It is, you know, back, back in the time of Noah, it was a mist that hit the ground. There was not rain, but now there is. And it comes with rain, there comes tornadoes, there comes thunderstorms, there comes destruction. Because sin has warped what weather was supposed to be. It wasn't because of the sin of your parents, but that we are, we are part of a fallen world. But what cures a fallen world? What changes a fallen world? Christ. And that is an opportunity to share with homeowners to say, it isn't something you did. You're not like your neighbors are not, they don't have sin in their lives and you, you, you know, have sin in your life. No, no. It's because Christ wants to reveal the sin in your life. He wants you to come to know Christ. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you. He loves you. It wants you to come to feel the freedom of not being burdened by sin. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Heartland Christian Church, for the people here uh, that have the heart to serve, that see the need in their communities, Lord. Um, as Derek said, just they might not be the biggest church, but they get it. They understand your heart. They understand that they may not be the best theologians. They may not be the best uh, just they get your heart. They know that that is what's most important is just being there, being willing to serve and being willing to love you, Lord, to love you and be your hands and feet. As you gave us your two greatest commandments, love our God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength, but the second as well, to love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord. Thank you for Heartland Christian Church to understand those commandments, to be willing to serve and love their community, to love their neighbor, Lord Jesus. Lord, we are so thankful to have that opportunity to serve you, Lord. Unfortunately, it is through disasters, but Lord, you redeem all disasters. Lord, may you prepare our steps as we continue to serve this week and serve this community, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mason, appreciate that. So y'all can talk more to him. He's going to be around for 
at least the rest of the week, you would say, something like that. Yeah, so he'll be, he'll be around. Uh, and he's told me if, if you find someone who has a need, let, reveal it to us so we can reveal it to him so he can, so he can help us meet that need. So, that, I mean, that's what it's all about. Like I said earlier, um, there's this thing in two weeks, nobody's going to be here. We'll still be here, right? These, all these people that come in, they're not going to be here anymore. We're still going to be here serving the community. And the biggest thing, like you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, is we're going to do it in the name of the Lord. So we're not just going to give them material things. We're going to give them a spiritual reality that changes everything, that we give them the true bread of life and give them water, <clears throat> water from the Lord so they'll never thirst anymore. That's what the whole thing is about. So um, today we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about giving today. 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to read verses 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. When you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word. So the title of today's teaching is Be Cheerful Givers. Be Cheerful Givers. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, the scriptures say, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And you may be seated. So are you a cheerful giver or a tearful giver? Are you a, are you a glad giver or a sad giver? Well, what kind of givers does God want us to be? We're going to see today that God wants you and me to be cheerful givers, that we don't give reluctantly, but we give because we love to give, because we're, we, we realize what we're, the impact we have when we give. So with Paul's message to guide us, we're going to learn how to be cheerful givers today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We ask you to open our ears to hear your word and recognize your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you and others now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. So when Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, there was a severe famine in Judea, and the church in Jerusalem was in need. So all the churches from other parts of the world were being encouraged to uh, send financial support to the church in Jerusalem. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3, Paul reminds the church in Corinth about this financial support. He says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up 
so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. Now, I'm not sure many of us have really read the whole context of what Paul's saying here. Uh, For years, this passage has been misused to guilt God's people into paying tithes. The people have interpreted the sum were to set aside on the first day of the week as a tithe or 10% of our income. And then they conclude that we should all pay our tithes when we come to church on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try to settle any debates about tithing. That's not what this is about. But I bring this up because we know for certain that Paul is not talking about tithing in 1 Corinthians 16. The context makes it abundantly clear that Paul's talking about a special collection for the Lord's people. So Paul was collecting an offering from all the churches to take to Jerusalem for famine relief. And Paul tells the church in Corinth to do what he tells every other church to do concerning this offering. They should make sure that they're collecting their contribution to Jerusalem every week when they gather as the church. So that Paul will not need to collect the offering from each person when he comes. So when we get to 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 5, Paul reminds the Corinthians about the generous gift that they promised to give the church in Jerusalem. And he says that he sent Titus and a few other brothers to make sure the Corinthians had the offering ready. So that when Paul comes, he's going to come with some people. He's going to bring them with from Macedonia. And Paul's been boasting to the Macedonians saying, well, the church in Corinth is very, a very generous church. So Paul doesn't want when he gets there, to be able to, to, to have, to have to, uh, round up all this money. And so he may, wants them to make sure they have what they need or the, the offering that they promised. And with all this in mind, we come to today's passage where Paul teaches us an important principle about giving. So although Paul doesn't teach about tithing in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, he does teach us a, an important principle about giving. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So here Paul gives us an agricultural principle uh, to show us what giving is all about. It says if we put few seeds in the ground, then we reap a small harvest. In other words, we put few seeds in, we get few things back. If we put more seeds into the ground, we reap a large harvest. And in the same way, if we give little to the work of the Lord, then we get a small harvest in return. If you give more, then you'll get a large harvest in return. So the scriptural principle for giving is this. We will get back from the Lord in proportion to what we give to others. Now, we're taught this principle many times in the scriptures. So, for example, in Proverbs eleven twenty four, we're told this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. In Proverbs 11, 25, we read this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. In Proverbs 22, 9, the scriptures say, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. So when we're generous and we give freely to the Lord's work, then we will gain more and be blessed and refreshed by the Lord. Now, I want you to notice in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul says that the Lord gives us the freedom to give as much or as little as we decide to give. He says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, how much you give is between you and God. 
you and I must decide in our own hearts what kind of giver we're going to be. God does not want us to give reluctantly or under compulsion. That means he doesn't say, you're going to give this much or else. That's not what he wants from us. God wants us to give because we've decided in our hearts that this is what we want to do. We should do it because we're saying, you know, I want to use the blessings that God has given me to be a blessing to others. I want to give generously and cheerfully because I want to be, listen to this, I want to be like God. This is the way God is. God is a cheerful giver. He gives to everyone, and we should be, have the same attitude. God loves a cheerful giver. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 9, Paul tells us what God will do for the generous and the cheerful giver. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So God generously provides us with all that we need. Provides us what we need to eat, what we need to drink, and the covering that we need through clothing, through shelter, many other blessings the Lord gives to us. But God also gives us more than we need. He blesses us abundantly so that when we have all that we need and more, then we're able in all things at all times to overflow in every good work. God expects us to do good works with the things that he gives us. So what kind of good works is Paul talking about when he says we're to abound in every good work? Well, we're to give food to the hungry. We're to give drink to the thirsty, to give clothes to those who don't have clothes, to give healing to the sick. In other words, we're to be involved in the work of helping those in need. And when we're generous and we scatter freely, we scatter freely the gifts that God gives us by doing good works, well, then God gives us more. The more we prove ourselves to be good stewards of the gracious gifts that God gives to us, the more God will give to us so that we can then scatter that freely to those in need. And that's the promise we read in 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Paul says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You know, I think we as God's people often live with what is called a scarcity mentality. And this mentality makes us hold on way too tightly to the things that God gives us because we believe that we will not have enough resources. If I don't hold on to this, I'm not going to have enough for what the Lord wants me to do. But what we need to understand is that's not a biblical mentality. A biblical mentality is an abundance mentality. I want you to understand, I'm not talking about prosperity preaching. But this is a principle that's in the scriptures. A biblical mentality is an abundance mentality. See, when we have an abundance mentality, we take God at his word. And we believe that when we use what God gives us, the way that God commands us to use it, when we abound in every good work and scatter God's gifts freely to those in need, then we will never lack anything. And why is this? Well, because the same God who provides seed to the sower the same God who causes the crops to grow, that same God blesses us with resources to make sure all of our needs are met. And then he gives us more than we need so that we'll have more opportunities to bless others with the abundance that God gives us. So when we use what we have well, God gives us even more resources. 
He enriches us in every way so that we'll be able to be generous on every occasion, every occasion, and we'll be able to meet more needs. And Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 12 to, to tell us one result of giving generously from the abundance that God gives us. He says, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So when we give generously to the Lord's work, needs are met, right? The poor are helped, the hungry are fed, the naked are clothed, and most importantly, the gospel goes out. God's people and many others receive help from the Lord through us. And those who receive God's help through us, they will joyfully give thanks to God for our generosity. And this is why it's so important that when we go out into the community, we don't just say we're out here helping you, right? We say we're out here helping you in the name of the Lord. We're out here because God sent us out here. Because there's a lot of people that help in the community, right? But like I said earlier, the people that come here to help, they don't have what we have. They don't have the words of eternal life. They don't know Jesus. We have to introduce the community to Jesus. So when we go out and serve others, we need to make sure we're doing it in the name of the Lord. So we don't give so that others will recognize us. We give so that those to whom we give will give thanks to God. So when people say, who can I thank for these gifts? We can say, you can thank the Lord Jesus, right? That's what we should tell them. Now, we also give because, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 13, we give so that others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So when we give generously as God desires, God will be praised, and the power of the gospel will be seen through us, through the church, through God's people. God wants to show the world what he's like. And when we give with a good attitude, and when we give cheerfully and generously, we're reflecting the character of our good and our gracious God and Father. And in this way, we're displaying our obedience to the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel of Christ teaches us to love God, to love our neighbors as ourselves, just like Christ did, by laying down our lives to serve others. You know, I'm thankful to be a part of what I truly believe is the most generous church in Goshen. And I really wish that my voice was, was okay, because I feel like I'm monotone. I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to get some expression out, but it's not coming. Just know that I'm excited about this, but I can't, I can't really express it. <laughs> <laughs> but you all are very generous givers. You give freely of your time, your talents, and your treasures. And we do a ton of service to help the members in this church, and we do a ton of service to help the people of this community. Whenever we show up at anything in this community, a lot of us show up. And I'm not the only one that recognizes it. Other people see it as well. But here's why I bring all this up today, to challenge us and ask you a question. Could we do more in this community? Could we do more in this church? Could we do more? Well, if we take God's promises seriously, then we can always do more. We can always give more. And not because we're forced to, not because the preacher laid a guilt trip on you. That's not what's going on here today. No, we could do more because we want to, because we've been blessed abundantly by the Lord, and we want to freely scatter those abundant blessings by serving and sharing with others. And when we use the abundance God gives us to do his work, he's going to make sure that we have what we need to do more of his work. A famous missionary that you may have heard of named Hudson Taylor 
once said this. He said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for lack of funds. The longer I live on the earth, the longer I serve the Lord, the more I see the truth of that statement. If we just do God's work and we do God's work in God's way, by being generous and cheerful givers who freely give to people in need, well, we're never going to lack the funds. We're never going to lack the people. We'll never lack the resources to do every good work that God calls us to do. And every single one of God's people can become generous, cheerful givers. I don't care where you're at right now. I don't care what's in your bank account. I don't care about any of that. Every single one of us can become cheerful givers because of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 14. Paul says this, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul says this, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this, listen to these words, grace of giving. See, just like everything else in the Christian life, our generous giving is energized by God's grace. Our giving is energized by God's surpassing, superabundant, overflowing grace. In other words, God's power is at work in us to compel us to give to others. Paul talks about the same energizing grace in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, where he encourages God's people. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, God works in us by his grace to give us both the will and the ability to do everything he wants us to do. In other words, God says, I want you to do this, and here's the power to do it. But we need to do what God's grace energizes us to do. God is not going to force you to do what he's compelling you to do. We got to make a decision to say, okay, the Lord wants me to do this. The Lord gives me power to do this. Now I'm going to go do it. So we need to understand that we have to do what God is empowering us to do. And this is something that so many of us misunderstand because we either overemphasize God's role or underemphasize our role in living out the Christian life. True Christianity is synergistic. And that's just a fancy word that means we've got to cooperate with God to do what he empowers us to do. We've got to work out what God works within us through his grace. And one thing God works in us is this great desire to give to others to help others and meet the needs of others. The man I was outside of Christ was a very stingy, very, um, I didn't care about other people, put it that way. Couldn't care less about what, what, what was going on in other people's lives. But since I met the Lord, since the Lord has changed me and is still changing me every day, I've become a generous person to give to people. It's, like I, it's almost like I can't get enough of it. So Paul said something, uh, I think it was in one of the Corinthians, he said, it's more blessed to give than receive. For the 20 years I've been serving the Lord, I see that every time you give to people, you are more blessed when you leave that situation than when you got there. Out here serving the community this week, we're more blessed since we've, since we've been out there. And to speak about God's grace helping us to do that. I mean, there's, I haven't had a whole lot of sleep. A lot of people around here haven't had a whole lot of sleep, but we're up here doing it, right? And, it's, and nobody's complaining about it. We're up here, we're, we're striving to do the Lord's will, and it's, it's just, you can just feel God's grace all over you. And you just feel the blessing. You go, 
talk to, talk to each other about the things that are going on. Yeah, when we cooperate with God and allow his grace to make us generous, cheerful givers, we show everyone the power of the gospel. So the New Century Version has a great um, rendition of uh, 2 Corinthians 9.13. It says, when we give generously, we give, when we give generously, it is a proof of your faith. Many people will praise God because you obey the good news of Christ, the gospel you say you believe, and because you freely share with them and with others. A lot of times, you know, um, people come into a church, they come to us to ask for help, and they feel like they got to give us their social security number, they, everything that they've ever done in their lives. And so usually I'll just stop them and say, tell me what you need. And then a lot of times you'll see their eyes are like huge. They're like, what is this guy talking about? He doesn't need my social security number. He doesn't need to know three or four references before he gives me something to eat. But when people come, that's what we tell them. We, we want to give you what you need. Tell me what you need, and we give it to them. That's what freely giving to others means. You don't need to do an interview of somebody who asks you for something. If a guy asks you for money on the street, don't say, what are you going to do with the money? Don't do an interview. Freely give to those who ask from you. And I know a lot of us think, well, if we do that, people will take advantage of us. Let me tell you something. If you think of the things you have as not yours but God's, nobody can ever take advantage of you if you're willing to give them everything you have. It's not going to happen. And listen, if you give somebody something and they take that and misuse it, that's not on you. That's on them. Our command from Christ is to give to those who ask, from those who would borrow from you. Do not turn away. That's what Christ told us to do. That's what we're supposed to do. What people do with that is all up to them. So I just want to encourage everybody. If somebody asks you for something, give it to them. Now, does that mean if somebody comes up to you like I might after church say, I want your car keys, let me have your car? Does that mean, is that what he's saying? Now, it may be that you might let them borrow it, but you get what I'm saying. So we got to use wisdom in some of it, right? But I think far too long Christians have... I've kind of looked down on people who ask for money and stuff. Because people do take advantage of people. I get that. But it shouldn't be in our minds. We shouldn't care. If you take advantage of me, that's between you and the Lord. It's not between me and the Lord. Because you never know that that person that is asking you for, my, for that money, that might be an angel that you're entertaining unaware, as the scriptures say, right? That's the Lord coming to test you to see what you're going to do with the things he gives you. So give, give freely to everybody. It's by serving others through generously, freely sharing with everyone, that's how people will know that, that the gospel is, is, is real, or the good news. So what is the good news of Christ? So the good news is that God loves the world, and he demonstrated that love by giving the world a most precious gift. This is a gift that's mentioned in John three sixteen. Everybody knows this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, God gave his son to the world so we might have the gift of eternal life through our union with the Son of God. And this is the gift that Paul thanks God for in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, when he exclaims, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So what Paul's bringing us back to is everything that we give as followers of Jesus, the grace of giving, the, the giving that, or the, the, the things that we give, all of that is flowing from the indescribable gift that God gives us when he gave his son for our salvation. A gift that God extends to the whole world through his grace in the gospel message. Now, Paul talked about the same gift and, and this same grace in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So God gave his divine son, because his divine son first gave himself to the Father for our sake. So from all eternity, Jesus has 
shared equal divinity with the Father. But he did not use his divinity to his own advantage. Instead, he used it to our advantage. He made himself nothing for us. And how did he do this? Well, without diminishing his divinity, Jesus took on the form of a servant. So he took on human nature. And after he made himself nothing, he humbled himself even further by sacrificially suffering and dying. Not just any kind of suffering and death, but the most degrading, deplorable death possible. So the king of glory died a criminal's death on a Roman, on a Roman cross, was buried in a grave, rose from the grave three days later and defeated death. But why did he do all of this? Well, he did it for us. He did it all for us. Jesus made himself poor so that through his poverty, you and I could become rich. Jesus sacrificially gave himself so we could be healed from our sins and receive every blessing God has prepared for us in Christ. So that's the good news. The gospel tells us about a God who loves us because he is love. A God who demonstrates that love by sacrificially giving to others and inviting us into a relationship with him where we can share in the abundant life that he offers us. God gives because God is love. But the gospel not only tells us what God is like, the gospel of the kingdom tells us what God wants us to be like. The gospel of the kingdom invites us to become like God, to be transformed by the grace that God gives us in Christ. And those who obey the gospel, those who are born again and filled with God's spirit, will learn to love, will become cheerful givers, just like our gracious God. And when we give as God gives, freely, generously, sacrificially, when we excel in the grace of giving, we demonstrate the essence of this indescribable gift and glorious grace that God gives us in Christ. And for that, God is thanked, God is praised, and God is glorified, and the world is drawn to Christ when we freely give to the people around us. So as we close, I want us to test the limits of God's promise to those who sow generously, to those who sow and, and scatter God's gifts freely. Let's test the limits of that promise. Let's go and serve others, empowered by God's grace to give as God gives. Today and every day, let's strive to be cheerful givers. And if we do that, I guarantee you the world will be drawn to God. We'll be blessed. They'll be blessed. And then we'll, we'll fulfill our purpose on this earth. Let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for all the wonderful things you do for us. We thank you for every good gift you give to us. And we thank you for our families, for our friends. Thank you for bringing us safely through the storm we've just gone through. We thank you for our food, our clothing, our shelter. We thank you for supplying our every need. We thank you also for giving us an abundance so that we may supply the needs of others. We thank you for the indescribable gift that you've given us in your son to save us. And we thank you that you've given him to make us like you. Lord, help us to always speak and live in ways that show we're obedient to the gospel. Continue to give us grace to be generous, cheerful givers on every occasion. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Teach me.